Thank you so much for joining us on Take 10. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our Take 10 buddies, Tina Smith, who is pinch hitting today for Carol Zerniel. Tina's head of the Caregiver SOS on-air programs at Caregiver SOS. And Dr. Jamie Heisman, a nationally known psychotherapist, an expert in addictions and in caregiving as well. And Dr. Jamie, it's good to see you. There's been a lot of talk of late about the stress that has followed from COVID-19 and how people are dealing with a variety of mental health issues. So tell me, if I have a friend, I have a colleague, maybe I know a caregiver who seems to be struggling, who clearly is depressed, how do I get help for them? You know, Ron, that's a great, great question. And I I don't think it could happen at a better time than right now when you have a co-host named Tina who heads up our caregiver efforts in Texas. Because what we do with there is have safe place, a safe vessel for caregiver to speak to caregiver, to have two people together, to get support from one and the other. It's the beauty of what caregiver SOS is. Well, the same thing is the answer to your question is you have to figure out a, the intervention of the person in front of you. In Tina's case, it's a caregiver. In our case, it could be Joe America, right? And then you have to feel what makes him or her safe. So is it a person? Is it a, a church? Is it a temple? Uh, uh, is it a, a, a child? And in knowing what makes that person safe, then you can message and connect to that person when they're feeling safe of how to go to get help and make sure you've already chosen where that help is. So it's a whole process that we call intervention, and it depends upon the person in front of us. And do you have to identify uh, where it is you want to direct them? How do you open that conversation? I'll give you an example, and and I shared this with you a a few years ago uh, when my dad and mom were both alive, and he was still driving and should not have been. So we arranged an intervention with a social worker. My mom was in the hospital at the time, uh, and the social worker from the hospital said, let's bring your dad in. We'll all talk to him because they were getting a lot of complaints about his driving. So my dad comes in. My mom had agreed to be with us on this. Uh, She knew it was a problem. And so we laid out the issue. Uh, Dad, we're worried about you. You've had some difficulties driving. uh, And uh, we think maybe the time has come uh, to arrange for other ways to get you around. And it was, uh, for me, one of the saddest moments of my life because he shrunk away against the wall. And he turned to me and my brother Jim and my mom his wife, and he said, what are you talking about? I'm an excellent driver. I've been driving for 60 years. There's no problem with my driving. And what do you think my mom did? She gave the keys. He's right. He is a great driver. (laughs) Yes. Leave him alone. There's no reason he can't keep driving. And we lost. So that's always a risk in in these interventions. Yes and no. I mean, obviously, your mom is hostage. And 60 years has really given her some wonderful skills in terms of that being a hostage. Um, So she is going to melt. In an intervention, though, that's why we need a third party, a third party who literally can really do this strategically and make sure that a person like your mom doesn't buckle and make sure a person like your, your sibling doesn't buckle and everybody can say what's on their mind, their observable behavior, clear, kind of scientific from a loving, loving place. And The final thing in an intervention is you have somebody there who literally can represent 
the the state or the license or you know if something goes wrong here what are we going to do so at the end of the day your father was right it's a great loss that's why the loving family intervention is important but the third party there will will help your mother not buckle the third party will also help your father plan well enough to know that he can go from point a to point b and the whole family will support him so it just needs to be more well thought out and more strategic and get yourself a good therapist waiting uh tina i know you've seen uh situations with the caregiver program where there are, are people who are clearly depressed, clearly need help, but aren't getting it. How do you deal with that? Yes, you know, sometimes with caregivers, you know, they're so busy uh, with all that they're doing and and all that they're trying to manage that they don't even realize the amount of stress that they're under. And um, one of the things we encourage where we we talk to caregivers about is, you know, listen to your friends. If if, If people are telling you that you look stressed out, if they're telling you that you look tired, Kind of take note of that and 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 pay attention to that because sometimes that you know like I said you're so overwhelmed and so just got so much going on it's hard to see exactly what's going on and so we try to uh, we guide the caregiver through just you know what's going on try to spell out sometimes they're surprised at at all that they're doing because they they just have gotten into the routine of doing so much and so we can kind of ferret out the you know, the specifics of what they're doing and maybe um, come up with some solutions to getting some help. Now, I know I use my family a lot uh, as examples, but that's the experience that I have. Uh, after my dad died, uh, Dr. Jamie and, and Tina, uh, my mom became very depressed, uh, which was not a surprise. Uh, and he'd been sick for a long, long time. She was his caregiver and suddenly big hole in her life. She had a lot of free time. Uh, but it isn't what she wanted. And so my brother and I both talked to her separately and said, you know, mom, uh, we'd like to get you some help. Uh, We think you're depressed and you should talk to somebody. You know what my mom said? Of course I'm depressed. Your dad's dead. I don't need to talk uh, talk to anybody. I'll be fine. So So there you are. Then one-to-one interventions (laughs) don't usually work. And that's especially true with caregivers. Uh, you're, you're right. I mean, caregivers, too. Uh, let's say you would go to see somebody and tell them to take the license away the way you did with your father. The messenger always gets killed. Remember that. And in caregiving, that's a that's a truism. They get buried in the back. OK, that's why it's so important for us to strategically lay out these loving interventions. They're not the alcohol and drug intervention that people think about on TV where you confront somebody. You peel layers off. You give them support. You make schedules work. What Tina was talking about, that people escape to work, which they do, caregivers do, they disassociate. And what an intervention, they dissociate alcohol, they go to drugs, they can be a work addict, they can just keep themselves busy. When an intervention, when it's done properly, a loving intervention done properly, um, it then gets somebody's attention. It brings them into the moment. It literally takes tomorrow and yesterday and all that insane disassociation and brings it to a circle, a circle of love if facilitated by the right geriatric care manager, by the right social worker. Now, if you just joined us, you're listening to Take 10. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Jamie Heisman. And filling in for Carol Zerniel today is Tina Smith. We're talking about when you know someone needs help uh, to deal with the mental stress of COVID-19, what do you do? How do you do that intervention? And Dr. Jamie, uh, there are reports uh, across this country that at a minimum, two out of five people are suffering uh, from uh, mental stress. 
due to COVID-19. I think the number's probably higher than that. It is, Ron. Tomorrow I'm doing an interview in WSVN here in Miami, a Fox affiliate. And I have to tell you, um, it the, the numbers you quote are, are probably underreported, but Anything and everything that could get exacerbated has. And why is that? Because we as a, as a human species love social regulation. We love connection. We regulate through safe, healthy people, not toxic people. And what COVID has done for us in this concept of social distancing, <clears throat> it's gotten us to see this as emotional distancing. We haven't regulated. We haven't gotten together. So all the mental health issues, the thing that keeps us safe, all the mental health issues are like disassociations and we just pursue it. We get worse and worse. And alcohol, and this is National Alcohol Month, it's just one of those. Well, next month is Mental Health Month, so you got them both. You got them both. And Tina, are, are you seeing, although with the senior centers still closed, uh, so access is by phone or by Zoom, what kind of response are you seeing from some of the caregivers that you help? Well, we're finding that, you know, a lot of caregivers, there's just additional stress being being shut down. They haven't been able to use the outside supports like adult daycare or home health um, like they have previously. And so that's created additional stress and and, and being isolated, being stuck at home has been hard because uh, they don't get a break. They just, they just don't get a break. And so they're looking for outreach. So we have online support groups available, online stress busting classes, just a connection of some way. Got to stop you right there, Dr. Jamie, Tina Smith. Thank you both. I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for joining us on Take 10.